Translation O Sayana Bharat, O conqueror of the foe, all living entities are born into delusion, bewildered by dualities, arisen from desire and hate. Apart. The real constitutional position of the living entity is that of subordination to the Supreme Lord who is pure knowledge. When one is deluded into separation from this pure knowledge, he becomes controlled by illusory energy and cannot understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The illusory energy is manifested in the duality of desire and hate. Due to desire and hate, the ignorant person wants to become one with the Supreme Lord and envies Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Pure devotees who are not deluded or contaminated by desire and hate can understand that Lord Sri Krishna appears by his internal potency. But those who are deluded by duality and messiness think that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is created by material energies. This is their misfortune. Such deluded persons symptomatically dwell in dualities of dishonor and honor, misery and happiness, woman and man, good and bad, pleasure and pain, etc. Thinking, this is my wife, this is my house, I am the master of this house, I am the husband of this wife. These are the dualities of delusion. Those who are so deluded by dualities are completely foolish and therefore cannot understand the Supreme Personality of God. An inquisitive person must consider, who am I? What's going on here in this world? Where do we belong? What is the meaning of life? Lord Krishna summarizes the answer to all these important questions here in Bhagavad Gita and gives practical guidance on how we can realize our constitutional position as servants of the servants of Krishna. So, our constitutional position is to serve Krishna. Lord Krishna states here in Bhagavad Gita, Amai Vamsa Jiva Loke Jiva Bhuta Sanatana that the jivas, the living beings, are eternally part and parcel of Krishna. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has summarized this as Jivasvaru Pai Krishna Nitya Das 
Krishna Tatasya Shakti, Vedami Prakash. And every living being is the, by nature, the eternal servant of Krishna. Krishna's Tatasya Shakti, which literally means situated on the bank. Vidabhid Prakash. Vidabhid means different from and not different from. So, Prakash. And many translations of this one. You can say manifestation. Krishna Tatastha Shakti. The energy of Krishna. Each living being is the energy of Krishna. Who is Tatasta, which means situated on the bank. That means on the border between the internal potency of Krishna and the external. He has the, the possibility to be either in the internal potency or the external potency. Here in this verse of Bhagavad-gita, Lord Krishna describes that desire and dvesh, hate, or bad feeling, which arises from duality, Srila Prabhupada gives examples of duality in the problem. Dishonor and honor, misery and happiness, woman and man, good and man, pleasure. So this desire, material desire, and bad feeling arises from duality and illusion. Constitutionally, the living being who is found in Master Krishna does not dwell in dualities of dishonor and honor and so on, but symptomatically. Being overwhelmed by desire and hate, he does so. Now, the question often because this is the Vaishnava understanding, or the, the Vaishnava perspective of reality. Reality can be viewed in various ways, but that way which will bring us in contact with the Supreme Reality, Krishna, who is the Vasudhavastu, the really real, the really real thing, Krishna, that is the Vaishnava perspective, the perspective of service to Krishna. Others may consider their perspective to be real, but then reality as they perceive it, is simply full of suffering. But the jiva by nature is full of pleasure. As Krishna is full of pleasure, the jiva is full of pleasure. So reality means bliss. We are meant for happiness. But we are not experiencing happiness. We are experiencing um, Sarva, birth, which 
Birth means there's also death. Birth and death. Birth and death. Birth and death. There's no happiness. Why? Why only in the suffering condition? The Vaishnava philosophy teaches us that we are by nature full of happiness. As God Himself, Krishna is full of happiness. Then why are we suffering here? This is the classical question which different theologians in various traditions have attempted to answer. There appears to be some discrepancy here because if God is all good and all powerful, then why should we who are part of Him be suffering in this material world? If He's all good, then why should he make a condition of suffering? He can just remove it by his wish. So there are various attempts to solve what appears to be a philosophical or theological problem. One uh, almost childish attempt which has been popular over the centuries is that a long time ago someone ate an apple and as a result Everyone is suffering ever since. It's not very good thing. Not very impressive. <clears throat> now, Vaishnava theology teaches, or Bhagavad Gita, Krishna himself teaches, in Bhagavad Gita, that Purusha Sukhadukaram that Every living being themselves has the chance to decide. We are responsible for our suffering or our distress and happiness. We ourselves are responsible. Now how can that be? If God is all powerful, He can remove our suffering. So how can we be responsible? Srila Prabhupada explained this to us. Maybe first I should quote that well-known verse from Chaitanya Charitamrita. And how we, how we come to this suffering condition. That we are meant to be happy. There is a spiritual world with Krishna, where everyone lives happily in the service of Krishna. Then how, what are we doing here? In Chaitanya Charitamrita we find Krishna Bhuli Sejiv Ramani Bhayamu Atayiv Maya Taridaya Shamsanati. Forgetting Krishna, the living being becomes, is inimical to Krishna from time immemorial. And therefore, Maya. The illusory energy of Krishna awards the miseries of materialism. So this raises various questions. Why should we be inimical to Krishna? If Krishna is actually all good and we are part and parcel of Krishna and our constitutional position is to that Krishna, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu then why should we come to this situation? 
Why should we come to this position to be bewildered by dualities? To be bewildered by dualities, desire and hate and being born and suffering, birth and death again and again. Why should we come to that position? <laughs> so this is a perennial question. We've asked it again and again. Therefore I thought to discuss it. At least one class, some detail. Srila Prabhupada explained when he was asked this question, by, not only by outsiders but by his own disciples, that because we are part and parcel of Krishna, we have the qualities of the, the Jiva has the qualities of Krishna, but Krishna is infinite and the Jiva is infinite. So Krishna has full independence and the Jiva, by the grace of Krishna, has independence but limited independence. He can choose to serve Krishna and not Krishna or not. And if not, then he comes to the suffering position. Now, you may say, well, why? Why? Why should that be? Why should, why doesn't Krishna program us that we just love him? Srila Prabhupada explained that love is voluntary. Love by force is not love. We can pull a gun on someone and tell them to love me. Love is, that's not love, that's fear. Interestingly, the Abrahamic religions, namely Judaism, Christianity and Islam, they, they seem to promote more an ethos of fear. If you don't follow what's given in the scriptures, then you have to burn in hell. So we emphasize that very much. But love is not based on fear. We, in a, in a course in Scandinavia, they have tried to minimize this as much as for any authority. But uh, authorities are followed out of fear in the school. We, the children traditionally followed what the teacher told because they're afraid of getting their face slapped. Now there's no discipline, so not much. The education doesn't work properly either. You are in the army. Does that does the Scandinavian ethic of do what you like and be free? It doesn't work in the army, right? <laughs> the army in the army, you go to fight a, a battle, and it's not a Everyone just do whatever you like, whatever you like, however you like. And if you don't, if you don't want to, okay, now we're going to have a, now the enemy's attacking. And if you, if you want, you can pick up a gun and fight. If you don't, you don't have to. It doesn't work. Freedom, when you go for a job, you're being paid by the company, 
you can't just sit and, and be a, you know, twiddle your toenails and do whatever you like. You have to accept some authority out of fear that if I don't do what I'm, if I don't do the job that I'm paid for, I won't get paid. I'll be dismissed from the job. So one doesn't work out of love. One has a job in, in a factory or an office, or one is in the army. We don't do what the sergeant says in the army because, oh, he's such a great guy, I'll do whatever. Actually, that's good leadership in the army. If, if it's not just out of discipline, but because the, the soldiers feel for the leader, they, they trust him. If it's only on barking orders, then it, it won't work. But discipline has to be there. <laughs> Authority has to be there. So one follows out, one follows out of fear or sense of, higher than fear is a sense of duty. I should fight for my country out of a sense of duty. Or I should do this job because I'm being paid for it. I could get away with not doing it, but because I'm being paid for doing it, it's, it's morally correct that I should do the job. So that's the sense of duty. But a sense of love, that is on a higher platform still. So, love means that we, we like to try to please someone else due to the qualities of that person who we are attracted to. We want to have a relationship, a loving relationship, an affectionate relationship with that person because we find that the personality of that person is so attractive that we're just drawn to it because that is our nature as living beings that we have desire. Here in this verse, the word ichab is used, desire. Ichab dvesha. Desire is used with dvesha, hate. But there's another kind of ichab or desire that is based on love. Lord Buddha is taught that desire is the cause of all suffering. But we have to qualify that by saying that material desire is the cause of all suffering. All desire that is born out of any motive than to please Krishna, that is material desire. That is the cause of all suffering. But desire to please Krishna, that is a pure desire. Atendriya, Priti, Vancha, Tare, Bale, Kam, Krishnendriya, Priti, Ichad, Dhari, Prayana. This is an essential verse of the Sri Chaitanya Charitama. It's, it's practically the summary of all Vaishnava philosophy. Everything is the, the whole summary of it. That the desire to satisfy oneself is called lust. And the desire to satisfy Krishna is called love. So love means the, uh, uh, that is the proper function of desire. 
what we call love in this material world, that is defined as karma, as the cause of bondage in this material world. It is not pure. What we consider to be love, we feel that this person is so wonderful, but actually it's, it's a desire to satisfy our own desires. The classic love between a young man and a young woman, that, that so-called love, it's only so-called love. That, that very strong attraction is so-called love because the attraction is, we think it's the attraction toward the personality, but we find that men are attracted to beautiful young women, not aged women who have lost their beauty. Why is that? If it's, if it's simply attraction to the personality, then why don't men fall in love with old women? Why on the adverted they don't advertise tires and cars and toothpaste and soap and everything else with pictures of old women? Only with young women. Because the attraction <coughs> is to the, <coughs> the illusory attraction is to the form which appears to be beautiful. So pure attraction, pure love is that which is directed toward Krishna. But that Again, that has to be voluntary, otherwise it's not love. When one out of his own volition desires to serve Krishna, that is called love, and that is the proper position of the living being. So the independence is that to serve Krishna, we can choose to serve Krishna, or we can choose not to serve Krishna. And when we choose not to serve Krishna, and we think then Krishna Bhagavad Hoga Mantra. That when we desire not to serve Krishna, then we desire to enjoy separately from Krishna. Desire we cannot stop because desire is the symptom of the soul. So pure desire means when we choose to serve Krishna, and contaminated desire means when we choose not to serve Krishna. So, Krishna Bhai Mokhaya, Bhagavan Chakhar, Nikatastha, Mayatai, Chakratiyatai. And as soon as we desire to enjoy separately from Krishna, we cannot stop desiring to enjoy because it is the nature of the living being to be joyful, to seek happiness. But when we seek happiness separately from Krishna, then immediately we are captured by Maya, the illusory energy of the Lord, by which we consider that we can be happy by enjoying many situations separate from Krishna. So this is how Srila Prabhupada explained it. Now the question comes that well if we if we know Krishna and Krishna is so wonderful and we are pure in the spiritual world, then how, why should we turn away from Krishna? Why should we do, how is that possible? This question, these questions seem to go round and round in circles, but Srila Prabhupada would reiterate the point that 
that we do have independence presupposes that it is possible to misuse it. And if there is no possibility of misusing it, then there is there's no independence. So this is how Srila Prabhupada has explained it. There is another, another possible explanation that we were never actually with Krishna. That Anadi Bahimok means that we have been in this material world always. We were always separated from Krishna. This is quite a popular theory. Srila Prabhupada, when he was asked about this, he consistently gave the same explanation. Or sometimes he, he said that don't even bother trying too much to try to understand it because we are in the material world and that because we are here means and we are suffering means we should try to get out. He gave the example, actually this was given by Sri Ramanujacharya, that a drowning man, he doesn't try, he shouldn't try to find out how he got in the water, that's not so important, how to get out is the Srila Prabhupada also but this uh, philosophical understanding gave that misuse of our independence is the cause of our suffering in the world. Which this is the words of Bhagavad Gita corroborate this. This is very slow we're reading today, Ita, due to desire. We come to this material world. There is also uh, this idea that we were, we are uh, eternally in this material world. This, the, the terms are there in Vaishnava uh, theology, Gorya theology. Nitya Badha, Nitya Mukta. Nitya Mukta means a jiva who is eternally liberated. Nitya Badha means one who is eternally bound in this material world. Now, Srila Prabhupada explained that Nityabhadha and Anadi, these terms mean that we have been in this material existence so long, such a long time that we cannot trace out the beginning, we can't find a point in time. You can't say that in the year 20 billion BC uh, at 5.31 a.m. on January the 22nd, I came to this material world. You can't say it's, it's, it's an exceedingly long time. But Srila Prabhupada reiterated the point that we have chosen to forget Krishna, and therefore we have fallen in this material situation. And there are uh, statements of our acharyas to corroborate, to corroborate this, such as the well-known song by Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Anadi Karama Phale, the word Anadi is used, due to the uh, Anadi, means beginningless. Karma, activities, or result, 
karma farm, results of those activities. Hari Bhavana Vajali. Hari literally means fallen. Fallen. I have fallen. Bhavana Vajali. In the water of this material ocean. So, there appears to be a contradiction right now. Anadi Karma Fale. Hari Bhavana Bhavana Vajali. He says, first of all says Anadi, beginningless, and then says Hari, I fall. And actually in the in the verse of Chaitanya Charitamrita itself, Krishna Bhuli Sai Jiva Nadi Anadi means beginningless and Bhuli suggests what well, it, it means forgot. So forgot means that you should have had knowledge, you can't forget something unless you know. You can't you can't say I forgot the explanation of E equals MC squared. Because I never knew it. If I knew it, if you knew it, then you could forget it. I used to be able to speak Thai when I lived in Thailand. I was speaking Thai to some extent. But now I forgot. I can say that. But I can't say that I forgot how to speak Finnish because I never knew how to speak Finnish. It wouldn't. I can say I don't know how to speak Finnish. That's true. I can't say I forgot how to speak it. So, forgotten means that we should have known at some point. So there appears to be some contradiction here. And many Vaishnavas have seen, they, at least in the present time, they want to resolve this by saying that well, either the Krishna bully, forgetting Krishna, either the forgetting is figurative, we just don't know about Krishna, or anadi bahimok. Either that should be figurative. One or the other, because the two terms appear to be contradictory. If you forget, if you forget that suggests some point in time. And if you say anadi, that means beginningless. So it's contradictory. So many Vaishnavas, they like to say that, well, actually we're here eternal in this material world, forgetting Krishna or unaware of Krishna. But then that would contradict Jiva Surupai Krishna and that. That would contradict the position that we are eternally descendants of Krishna. That our constitutional position is as servants of Krishna. So there appears to be a philosophical conundrum here. And within Vaishnava Sampradayas other than Gorya, um, and actually in most of the, in fact, as far as I know, all of the Gorya Sampradayas, including those coming from Bhaktisthan Sarasvatthakur, except Srila Prabhupada, it, it seems that mostly the theory, or the, it is adhered to, that we, as Jeevas, we were never actually with Krishna, but we were just here in the material situation and we can go to Krishna. 
So it's it's widely considered within Islam. No, I mean, uh, it's like a quiet controversy within Islam. It's like up front very much. But there are quite a few devotees within Islam who believe that the actual Siddhanta, or claim that the actual Siddhanta on this issue, is that we were never actually with Krishna. And Srila Prabhupada's statements, they say these are unorthodox, because no other previous Acharya said this. And um, no other present Vaishnavas say that either. Although, actually there are quite a few statements of, for instance, Srila Bhakti Thakur and Srila Bhakti Thakur, which, well, they use words like patita, fallen. For that matter, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself says that. Ayinanda Tanaja Kinkaram, what's the next word? Patita. Patita means fallen. I've fallen into this material ocean. So there, there are, I, I, in the last few years I've been reading quite a lot of the writings and the transcribed lectures of Srila Bhaktisiddhanta in the original, in Bengali. And several times I've come across passages which I didn't keep records of, which state this, that Vaikuntha Hoite Patita, fallen from Vaikuntha. So uh, there are statements like that. Chaitanya Mahabhu himself said. And if we are to, you may say, well, it's kind of twisting things a bit to say Anadi means not exactly beginningless. We should take it literally. We, if, we, if you say that Anadi means hmm, so such a long time that we can't trace it out, then we're, we're giving not a direct meaning. But then we have the word Patitam which means following. <laughs> oh Krishna, I am your servant, but I have fallen into this material ocean. So then we have to some, some to, to resolve this, then some term has to be understood uh, in a modified form. Are you modifying the term patita to say that it doesn't mean falling from the position of being a servant of Krishna? Or you modify bhuli to mean a state of eternal ignorance rather than one of forgetting? So you have to modify one or the other. Because both situations that we, that we are, that we that we have forgotten Krishna and that we are since time immemorial forgetting Krishna or are ignorant of Krishna. The two, logically, the two can't possibly stand together. So some say that 
some devotees are under the impression that um, all of the disciplic followers of Bhakti Sarasvatthakur hold the position that um, we were never with Krishna in his leader, which Srila Prabhupada says. Although, from the writings of uh, Narayan Das Adhikari, Professor Samyal, one of the, in the time of Srila Bhaktisthansa Svartakho, um, among the top respected presenters of Siddhanta in the Goryamat, Specifically for writing in English, he wrote so many articles. So he is presented like this. There are so many writings in which this position will be found. And uh, there is a booklet or an essay which was recently republished by one of Srinivasa Stanzas with Tarko's disciples. It's a book for beginners in English. Jagannath, that's why Jagannath from Andhra Pradesh. So he writes, the topic is not Jiva Tattva. The topic is, it's, the topic is, well, the topic is, it's not specifically this topic, but the topic is, it's an introductory book to Krishna consciousness. So he states it there very clearly also that we were with Krishna, we have modern Krishna, and we've come to this material world. So the idea that all of Bhaktisya and Sarasvatakos followers are of the opinion that we never came to the spiritual world, the only Baba said that, that that's, not, that's not correct actually. Now, those that say this, those that uphold this opinion, they say that Prabhupada said this to just for preaching to the Westerners, because they're used to the theory of the original sin. But if we see what we do have so many of Prabhupada's recorded conversations, we have his books which are not written just for Westerners. And we have Prabhupada's conversations not only with Westerners, where he explains this way, that we have independence, we misuse it, therefore we have come to this material world. So it's, it's, a, it's actually a very weak argument that Prabhupada he deliberately misrepresented the Siddhanta to preach to Westerners, because Pretty much everything he said was was against what or, or not uh, or so many things he said were, were were not acceptable to the to orthodox Judeo-Christian understanding. And in fact, one of the reasons why many of Srila Prabhupada's followers were first attracted to Srila Prabhupada was because he was giving something which was against the orthodox establishment understanding because they were they were rebels against the whole establishment way of life. Srila Prabhupada said he he was preaching 
during the Vietnam War, and using the example of Bhagavad Gita, that Arjuna didn't want to fight, but Krishna pushed him to fight. He was preaching that among the hippies who were dead set against the Vietnam War. So it's it's a very poor hypothesis, very weak hypothesis, that Prabhupada actually didn't mean what he said when he said that we fell from Vaikuntha. But that he just said that too because we couldn't accept it. But we accepted so many things. We accepted we accept coming from the Western background, we accepted that God has got four hands. And then he plays a, most of the time he has, in his topmost form, he has two hands, and he plays a flute. So, there are so many things that, that were inconceivable, and would might be considered unacceptable. This, the, the moon is further away from the sun. Srila Prabhupada emphasized this point so much. Which, uh, it goes against everything. The, that, Modern science has to offer. But Srila Prabhupada, he was quite insistent on this point because the Shastra says so. Prabhupada, he didn't get out instruments and measure and, and uh, telescopes or any such thing. He simply based what he said on Shastra because Shastra. Well, he also gave another example that in every language of the world, we have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, which you see, if we see the distance of the planets from the sun comes first. And then we see, the, so uh, the distance that from the earth, he says, so he says the sun comes first and then the moon. So that was a secondary argument, Srila Prabhupada. So the point I'm making here is that Srila uh, Prabhupada, he didn't, he, he, he might often present things in a manner that for our understanding, that every teacher does. Just like you said, the teaching in school, or the kindergarten, they bring one brick and then another brick and teach the tiny children one plus one equals two. So every teacher uses means to teach the students. So Srila Prabhupada would give examples from uh, from uh, Phenomena that the people he was listening to could understand. He gave the example of the car and the driver. Updating the, the Upanishadic example of the, the chariot and the passenger on the chariot. But he didn't, uh, change. We're not aware of him changing the philosophy. Rather, he said that that he presented, that I am presenting the same philosophy that is given by Krishna and all the previous Acharyas, and that it is the duty of an Acharya to speak according to Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra. And that I am doing. That is my duty to present as such. He never gave any intimation that on this issue or on any other issue, he was simply uh, speaking something which is actually not the truth, against the proper understanding of the truth, but just stated because we were incapable of understanding the truth. And if he were, if he were done like that, then he wouldn't be an Acharya, actually. Because an Acharya, his, his duty is to teach 
One has to approach a tattva darshi, one who can perceive reality and understand tattva jnana, knowledge of reality, from satsanacharya. So there may be, in the course of history, various teachers who have, for a specific purpose, misrepresented, just like Lord Buddha, he taught, don't follow the rules. He did that for a specific purpose. Shankaracharya taught that we do follow the Vedas, but the message of the Vedas is Brahma Satyam Jagannitya, that spirit is reality and the world is false. So they did that for a specific purpose, but the, the Vaishnava Acharyas have come to present the Vastavavastu, actual reality, Vedam, uh, Vedam Vastavam Atravastu, specifically the Srimad Bhagavatam, is the topmost exposition of Vedic knowledge because it describes the actual subject of knowledge, which is Param Satyam Dhimahi, the object of the supreme reality, the object of meditation, who is Vasudevi, Omnamo Bhagavatam, So it's a very weak argument to suggest that Srila Prabhupada uh, deliberately misrepresented the truth. However, um, we can accept what Srila Prabhupada said as followers of Srila Prabhupada. We can accept. He, he explained, quoting Shastra, and he gave the reasoning behind it also, the point that, that to love Krishna, we have to choose to love him. And that choosing means that we can also choose not to love Krishna or to forget Krishna. So he gave a, a logical explanation of that also. However, it is a, there are many ramifications of this subject and uh, the Shastric analysis is quite complex, just like the term Anadi, how is it, how is it used in different contexts, uh, that traditionally the, the, the Vedic tradition is one of very, uh, we could say almost hair-splitting analysis of Vedic texts according to there are rules. You can't just make up your own method of analyzing the Vedic texts as modern Sanskritists and Indologists do. They're disqualified from the, their whole methodology is disqualifies them. Their whole way of life, everything about them disqualifies them from studying the Vedas. One has to study under an Acharya. And the Acharya teaches According, teaches Siddhanta according to the Parampara system, 
Guru Sadhu Shastra. There are rules of Shastric exegesis or analysis. These, are, these rules are given in Mimams, which is actually common Mimams. Their philosophy we reject, their, or their, their conclusion we reject. But the, the methodology for studying the Shastra is accepted. It is by all Vedic schools. So there are there are rules of studying Shastra, and it, it's in Vedic tradition. It's the, the depth of philosophical analysis we can't begin to imagine because we are coming from a, a different background. We have no idea of the uh, the depth of subtlety of Vedic philosophical analysis. And it may not be necessary for us also. Because Haryan Nama, Haryan Nama, Haryan Nama, Hello, We can try Hare Krishna and go back to Krishna. However, um, some devotees, it is required that some devotees do study Shasta very deeply, so as to be able to understand and present these points. This this is only one point. There are so many points of philosophy which are discussed, and the Gorya Siddhanta or the conclusion given by the Gorya Acharyas comes under fire by different persons. So. Uh, Srila Prabhupada has given us the understanding by which we can uh, ourselves understand what is what is reality. Reality is I am a servant of Krishna, I have forgotten Krishna, Aninitta Krishna Das, Ekata Bhule, Maya Nokor Hayan Chiravin Bhule, Bhule. We have forgotten Krishna, and therefore we are for a long time wandering in this material situation as the servant of Maya. So this is the basic understanding which we can understand and we can defend that. But there are, there is a, there's still today a class of pundits or scholars who will interpret in various ways according to. Shastric methods, which at least some devotees they should be competent enough to um, by devotees I mean follows the Srila Prabhupada to counteract that. Otherwise what happens? Someone comes, he's a big scholar from Radha Kund or something like that, and they appear to they appear to be very scholarly and they quote so many things and they appear to know what they're saying more than our devotees And they say something, and they say, actually, well, Prabhupada was wrong, and he was good at preaching, but he didn't really know what he was saying, or he was good at collecting many people, but... So, these offensive statements, it requires that some devotees be learned enough to 
counteract them on that level. When they quote, you can, you can point out that yes, you're saying this, but this is your understanding, but you're, you're quoting this word to mean like this. But actually, it doesn't have to be understood like this. Just like you're saying that anadi means uh, anadi means literally without beginning. But then how? But then you have to modify the meaning of the term bully. I guess that's one example I give. Something has to be modified. So it is a difficult topic to understand because why should we be so foolish as to fall in this material situation? If we if we love if we're with Krishna, it appears that there could be imperfection in the spiritual world. Of course, Srila Prabhupada explained that it's not imperfection, but there is the there is the by nature the possibility for the jiva to fall away. It is not that God has imposed his suffering on us, but that we have chosen to accept it ourselves. So these are some thoughts about this topic which could be which is quite complex. If you if you don't want to accept directly what Srila Prabhupada says, then it can become very complex and intellectually puzzling. And those who want, they can become intellectually involved in trying to understand it more and more. But as Srila Prabhupada pointed out, that if we're drowning in the ocean, the best, the best thing is to get out of it. Exactly how we came here isn't that important. To, to understand the details of it may not be that important. So there are some thoughts. You may say it's incomplete. There is a book published quite a few years ago called Our Original Position, which strongly upholds that Srila Prabhupada said is defendable, but it doesn't pretend to give a, a full uh, exposition of this subject because it was it was put together rather quickly in counteraction to a book that came out indirectly attacking Srila Prabhupada or, or rather saying that Prabhupada, it's the same thing that Prabhupada just said this as a preaching fly. Although actually they say that, but more or less it's attacking, saying that what, if we agreed, if we accept what Prabhupada said, that we fell from the spiritual world, then we're going against the whole Vaishnava Siddhanta. So it becomes a dangerous situation if we, if we think like that, that what Srila Prabhupada said is wrong. So the GBC quickly did, had some devotees do some research and they made a book which shows that at least um, it shows that it's very dangerous to say like that that Prabhupada was actually teaching us the wrong thing. It's dangerous to our spiritual lives. And that 
many of the statements in this book, they're based on the author's prejudices and their uh, and their wrong interpretations of certain Shastra statements or statements by our Acharyas, or their interpretation, which could be interpreted in another way. However, that book was quickly put together, and more, a lot more research could be done, because anyone who's done any research in anything knows that research is a big topic, and there's, it seems to be unending in any field, because the nature of knowledge is that it's vast. So this topic, it's, personally I feel it difficult. I, from what I've spoken today, you can understand that uh, I'm quite happy to go over what Srila Prabhupada said about this. I don't, it doesn't bother me that so many other Vaishnavas don't agree with that. But at the same time, I feel it's, it's another of those issues that it, it requires, it could use a lot more research, which means someone has to do it. Someone has to go through the texts. And uh, there, are so many, there are so many texts in Bhagavatam, in Vedanta Sutra, here in Bhagavad Gita itself, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, in the writings of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, in the Sandarbhas of Jiva Goswami. Oh, that's another important point. The, the, uh, the Gita itself repeatedly says, Having gone there, one never goes back to the spiritual world. And this is one point which Srila Jiva Goswami, in his Sandarbhas, he makes the point. He, he is describing... Um, he, he systematically presented Gorya Vaishnava philosophy and he states briefly giving one quote I think but briefly is enough for, to him to establish his position that one never falls in Vaikuntha when Srila Prabhupada was asked about this he said well yeah you can, the example is there Jagai and Madhai um, there are other examples in Brahma, Prabhupada didn't say this, but there are other examples in Brahma Vaivarta Purana of uh, special persons falling down to Tulsi, Sudama. Um, but the examples are there. Um, yeah, so for, for this reason, I feel because these are these are very uh, yeah, yeah. Then Srila Prabhupada, when he was asked about this, he says, "Well, even if you go, then your independence is there, so you could possibly fall down." And, and Prabhupada, when he was asked about this, said, "Yes, you can." And then devotees still discouraged. Oh, I can go there and come back again. Well, if you want, we can. We can go there as a tourist, I suppose. No, no one goes there as a tourist. There's no entrance to Vaikuntha as a tourist. The Rasamuni entered Vaikuntha. Vaikuntha planet within this material world, but not in Vaikuntha consciousness. He was allowed to enter in a consciousness of complete fear. He wasn't really fit for entering, but he was allowed a special entrance. He entered there and he 
he, he wanted to preserve his material body within the material world, even having a different contact. And come to the lotus feet of Lord Vishnu. He didn't ask that now that I've come here, can I can I just stay and serve you? He said, No, I want to go back and, uh, and be protected. That my material body won't be destroyed. So uh, yeah, I I feel it, it it requires more research so that we can answer all these points in great detail. So I just discussed it. What Srila Prabhupada has said, uh, what the Shastra says, and it needs more research, but we can also just accept what, if we are prepared to accept what Srila Prabhupada says, I am, we can just accept that it is the, the basic point that Prabhupada made is that it is our own misuse of our independence. You may say, well, how is that possible? But then, if we, if we say that the jiva is eternally in the material world, then that means that, that Krishna has sent us here to forget him. He's, he's created our suffering. That's not, that's not the practical study. That goes against what Lord Krishna states in Bhagavad Gita. Purusha sukha dukkanam bhoktu dahitu the cause of the suffering and distress of the living being here, Purusha, in this context, from the rest of the chapter here, Purusha, here means not the Supreme Lord, but the Jiva, is caused by that Jiva, by his, uh, by he himself is the cause, because of his desire, because of his Bhuktitva. His desire to be the enjoyer. So he, he creates his own suffering and distress in the material world. So, without doing a lot of research, I'm personally am satisfied to accept what Prabhupada said. At the same time, I recognize that there are, there is, there are grounds to wrangle about this and more research should be done to give a complete reply to these objections. And I'm not suggesting that any of you do that. It's a, research is a very specialized job. You have the specialized job of distributing Srila Prabhupada's books in Finland and establishing the Christian consciousness here. But as this question comes up again and again, I just thought I would discuss it so that in future if anyone asks me, I'll just give them the CV and say, here, take this. <laughs> and I'll have to discuss it again and again and again and again. Hare Krishna. Yes, please. That's, that's, I didn't present Madhva philosophy. So, according to him, some jivas, there's sattvic jivas, rajasic jivas, tamasic. Seems to be a strange philosophy to us. But Purnapragya means 
He knows everything. Yeah, anyway. So, I wanted just to add, so what about we've got a nice argument. You can call it Maharaj. Okay, so I personally prefer it. It's a personal preference. He prefers it also. Gave this argument against this uh, notion of the yeah, if he had discussed this subject, he would discuss it a thousand times more deeply than I would, because you know, he is he, he is who he is, and I am who I am. Oh, it's a supporting Yeah. No, I know, I know, he was not against this. I know for sure. He, he, he just gave this nice strong argument against this uh, idea that uh, uh, there is Right, if it's Prabhupada's strategy, then why don't we go on with the strategy? We should preach. If he gave that preaching strategy, then we can go on giving the same preaching strategy. The world didn't change so much since Prabhupada left that we have to change Prabhupada's preaching strategy. So we get the argument that in the book of It's written, it was actually a series of essays written in Bengali, which was later collected by Bhakti Swami and made into a series of small books, which were later put together in a bigger book and translated as renunciation. Yeah. Uh, so he says, because it was so many years before And he was writing in Bengali. Way. That book wasn't written in English in the beginning. He was saying that Shabbat was saying that he had exactly the same position as later after establishing Islam. So yeah. it was not his strategy for preaching to, to Christians. It's a very weak, very weak argument, actually. Also, that, that disproves it, doesn't it? And where did Prabhupada get it from? Did he make it up or did he get, get it from Guru Sanu and Shastra? Yeah, very good. So, what, he gave example of restaurant. If we come to a restaurant and we have a choice, there have to be at least two items. If you are presented by a, a, a restaurant with a menu with I, uh, one item, for example, carrot, or we can choose something. So, if we are in the material world, and we have one item, material world, and we don't have any choice to choose Krishna beforehand, before we came here. What is the question of Right. We didn't have any choice. We don't have any choices. We're just here from having memorial. Well, there's there's some statements that we Prabhupada was asked about this that well, that we fell from the Brahma Jyoti. Prabhupada answered that. Well, the Brahma Jyoti is itself a fallen position, so we must have fallen. You know, it's successive fall. If we fell from the Brahma Jyoti, we must have fallen from higher up than that. The Brahma Jyoti is for the, uh, the demons who are killed by Krishna. And the Brahma Bhadis who are envious of Krishna. Or who have developed their love for Krishna. And the, the last point is the mm. Yogi Maharaj was making 
we say that we were always here because what you already planned. But actually we're playing Krishna for Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's right, right. If we don't, if we don't take the responsibility, I chose to be here, then we're putting the blame on Krishna. So it's God's yeah, that's the very important. It's okay that we are rascals here. It's Krishna's fault that we are here. So let's not worry about it. Okay. You know. So yeah. there are so many points about it. And uh, the last thing is I would like to, to feel a little bit more about uh, your translation from the Shabbat because I had a lot of conversations for example with people are Islamic disciples regarding the issue because they have opposite view on the subject matter and they actually give a lot of quotations which I personally don't agree with but they support their stance with the quotation of Pakistan's Saraswati so I would like to encourage you to well, the thing is, when I said a lot of research is required, I'm not going to research this. I'm setting up a research institute, but there are many points to be researched, not only this one. And it's not even on the top of my list of things to research. I, I'm getting old, you know. I'm, I'm getting some young men who've got much better brains than me. And they can do. I can give them some direction on facility. But... Unfortunately, I didn't keep a note because I wasn't. I, to me, I, I wasn't. I not, this subject doesn't really interest me to tell you the truth that much. I'm just speaking on it today. It's it's not something that I'm really. It, it's not one of the things that I'm more interested. I mean, different devotees have different things that they're more interested in. So I didn't keep a note. If I do read, I will go. If Krishna willing, I'll read through these things again, and I, I don't know, I might read, there, there are books of his lectures transcribed, and uh, I might read through them again. There are not that many of his lectures, there's a few books of them. Your impression was that, I can have said that. Well, I just remember when I was reading through, I wasn't reading through with, with these points in mind, just thinking, hey, look, there's a quote, which supports the formal bond, as it could be called. But I didn't bother to note it down because it was, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't researching it or I, I can have, I can, you know, I can have someone read through them all again. There are not that many books. Less than, I would say less than 2,000 pages. Which isn't that much, considering we spoke for hours on end every day for years. And that's all we've got left out of it, about a thousand, more than a thousand pages of transcription of his lectures. Maybe it's not even a thousand. Lectures and conversations. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it's Jiva. Jiva Goswami, he is the Tattva Acharya. Anything else? Yeah. I read recently Kamal Krishna Goswami's article about analysis in history. Right, I know. This is one of them, yeah. This is It's a heresy because it. Yeah, what's implicit in saying that Prabhupada, he taught us something wrong is that it's a very heavy statement. It comes to the point that we know, Prabhupada said one thing, but we we actually know better. Prabhupada fooled us on this one, but now we've found out, and now we uh, now we can now we can explain it in the real way, which Prabhupada didn't explain. Although Prabhupada never gave any indication of that. Yeah, please go on. So in the in the last uh, paragraph of this whole article, I think. He, he writes that uh, for the purpose of not uh, diminishing Shila Prabhupada's words, uh, in ISKCON we have a policy of presenting the Jiva issue in a fever with Krishna. But then he writes you know, that, uh, but privately, it's something like that, I don't remember the exact same, but uh, privately it's not required from the members of ISKCON as the same politically correct view to the official one. This is what I remember. So so I wanted to see you to comment on this because also when I discuss with devotees No, there are quite a few devotees in this one. Yes. Senior devotees. Who uh, privately or even not privately they hold a different outlook. And it causes confusion, which is why most of them keep it privately, I suppose. But I, I, I don't. Why? Why private? I mean, if there's if there's difference of opinion or whatever, we should be truth seekers. We're not. We don't want to. We don't want to be like Christians who say you just believe the Bible because it's in the Bible. We should understand it. We should understand everything. We should not be lazy in understanding Siddhanta. So, they disagree. Well, Anand Swami, who is my good friend, discussed so many things with his, I mean, he openly says, he has a dip in this other side. Golgo Swami apparently, also said like that. So we were always material Yeah. And then that's what I'm saying, it requires more research. Because if Manaswami is a scholarly person, he's translating so many 
comes from Sanskrit. So that's what I'm saying. He's he's not, you know, he's not saying it like some people do. Like in Isko, we may say Prabhupada said this to as a kind of we could say as to uphold the institutional values of Isko, and others use it to attack the institutional position of Iskon. Ramaswamy his discipline is not as an attack on the institution. He's the channel which you see actually this year. So his his job for this year especially is to uphold the institutional position. But uh, well he's independently actually years ago, even before this Lee's book was written, I was arguing with Ramaswamy about this. So arguing means you know, it didn't come, there was no animosity there, but, but uh, my point is that if, if there are scholarly devotees who disagree with this, we shouldn't just bash them with the institutional hammer. And nor will that work if we want to say to non-members of this God, well, Prabhupada said this, and we don't even say, well, you know, our guru says something else. So that's why I said it requires more research. And the original position was a good start, considering it was put together hurriedly, but it does require more research. As I think in the original position, they even, they say that, it's presented, it's not, I don't think it's presented as, a, as the last definitive word. So we are all eternal servants of Krishna, and we are one Krishna, we kind of statistical way, and we should learn Krishna by following the process of bhakti yoga, especially by chanting the holy names of Krishna, and become purified and go to Krishna. That is the Details you can accept from Prabhupada, and if you want, then you can do more research. And there's so many, so many things to research. It's so many things. You give me a hundred scholars now. We don't even have one scholar hardly. Give us a hundred, and we can start research. So many things. That's I want by saying that research is required. It doesn't mean that we don't know. We do know because Prabhupada has given us everything. Srimad Bhagavatam is the Vedyam Vastala Matra Vastu. It is the actual essence of the Vedas. But to back that up, that is required not only that we, we accept, but we should also, for those who don't accept, we should be able to explain it to them. If they're very intellectual on their level, we have to be able to also. And that is required in every generation. We can't just say, well, Jiva Goswami says this. And we, there has to be someone who can, there have to be devotees who can present all these things. That's traditionally the position of the Acharya. So it has to be able to refute all the Posing philosophies. Yes. 
that in all our shastras, Vedas, and even in Bhagavadam, there is no reference as to where we originally belong to. There is no reference to where we originally belong to. Yes, well, in Bhagavatam we have the story of uh, Vaidarvi that comes within the story of uh, Prachina Bharmishvat, where it's an allegorical story, which at the end it's clearly explained, where the Supreme Lord comes and says that originally you were with me. It's in the fourth canto of Bhagavatam. So it is there. It is, but then you know, I, I'm going to discuss this tomorrow evening. Why, why we are strongly attached to believing the wrong thing? But even you can give all good arguments, and people still won't accept. Why is that? I'm going to discuss that tomorrow. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, for me, yeah, for me too. But there are others. Yeah. I don't need another point. I did not think for anything else. Would it, would it have made sense for the Gopis to love Krishna so much? I did not mean to go back to them. Uh, they were never away from him, the Gopis. Yeah, that, that, did everyone hear that with Sanatana Goswami in his Brihad Bhagavatamata, which explains the purport of Srimad Bhagavatam, describes how Gopakuma went back to God and Krishna accepted him and said, Oh, you've been like the missing you, you've been away such a long time. So, and so my, my presentation wasn't very ordered.